So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, we're back again here with Travis, and I don't think I've seen it. Uh, there was a GoPro recording about a guy in Buenos Aires that got robbed, got at gunpoint, and he ran away. So uh, I sent it to Travis, and he said, "Hey, I actually saw this. So, uh, what's going on, man?" Yeah, it's the, it's the talk of the town here, but. I think that it's actually going to make the city maybe slightly safer because if people like all the robbers out there know some of these people actually have a GoPro strapped to them and it'll catch them on camera, they might be a little bit more hesitant to want to go rob people because this guy is going to get caught now. Yeah, and the GoPro is like really high quality. Like you can see his face, you can see what he's wearing, probably even his license plate, and all that kind of stuff too. You know, robbing someone at gunpoint is it's a pretty big deal. It's not just like he tried to grab the someone's purse and run away. It's yeah, so so we'll link to this video uh, on this episode. Uh, it was on Mashable. You'll probably find it on YouTube if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but basically, that's kind of the talk of the town right now. And I guess uh, let's go into some business updates. So me, uh, I got my first fraudulent order uh, today. So it's kind of interesting. Um, it was a uh, order for one of my wallets. But what happened was the credit card was some lady in the U.S. and then the shipping address was some guy in Vietnam. And the address he typed just wasn't even a real street because in the notes he put hey mark this order as a gift for me and so i googled this lady i found her on linkedin uh, she's married to some guy living in like atlanta and i tried calling the number the number looked legit but it didn't work out so i actually ended up just canceling it and not even sending the product i just said hey we don't ship to vietnam because we have customs issues so i don't know, kind of a first time thing for me that's crazy so i wonder if it's someone that like kind of knows you because you're in vietnam right now correct yeah, he was based in like Hanoi up in the north. And the address he gave, like the, the typing was just wasn't all capitalized. There wasn't even like a street number. So it just looked kind of fishy. And now I was like, you know what? I just, if it's a real order, they'll probably come back to me, but I'll just cancel this for now and not deal with it. So yeah. And uh, what about you, man? Any business updates? Um, well, I mean, the m biggest thing is I'm in Buenos Aires right now and I'm, I'm loving it. So it's been a little hard to get back into the workflow. I actually, I've been trying to get into this routine and one of the big things was I didn't have a good chair. And it sounds kind of stupid, like, oh, whatever, you know, that's a lame excuse, but having a really crappy chair makes it a pain to work. Like the chairs we had were this like metal, like it only came like halfway up my back and it was concaved in. So I was like hunched over my computer and after an hour of working, I was just in pain. Oh, so you couldn't, you couldn't even lean back? Yeah, no. You so like stretch it. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I actually, I told the landlord, he's the nicest guy in the world. And I told him like, look, I'll buy a chair. Just, you know, help me find out where I should buy a chair at. And he ended up saying, oh, I'll buy you one. Don't worry about it. There's some cafes here in Vietnam. They're a lot smaller. Like, I guess people are overall smaller here. I'm like six feet and the average guy here is like five something. So a lot of cafes, like the tables are too small. The chair is too small. Like you bang your knees on the table. It's, I just don't like going to cafes. And I don't know, Some people like it. I don't, I find like the process of like finding a place you want to go to, the decision of like what to order and like, you know, make sure the Wi-Fi is working. You have plugs, all that stuff. Like you end up wasting so much time. Some of our friends are actually made music video kind of like a four-hour work week slash working at a cafe song but i can play a little bit uh, on, on the show so what happened was uh we did like this we just did this like music video real quick and i did like some product placements in there like when you're paying for a cafe you're using one of my wallets and then i'll just get like a link in the end so i mean we have no idea how this is going to turn out but it was just kind of funny so uh let me play you a little segment then i'll just play like like 30 seconds of it all right here we go Yo, this goes out to all my digital nomads, startup savages, location independent entrepreneurs. And if you ain't know, then now you know. Namaste. 
Daily Cafe Hustling, Daily Cafe Hustling, Daily Cafe Hustling, Daily Cafe Hustling. Who the frick you think you messing with? I'm a frickin' boss. Bootstrapped in Saigon, cause I'm trimming costs. Reading blogs and learning every life hack. Yeah, I got a Mac. We all got a Mac. I'm in the drop shipping. My stuff is organic. Working remotely with customers across the Atlantic. I know Google, you can ask Jeeves. Facebook ads and PPC, I attract leads. I ain't employed, boy. I run my own thing. And my boys know how to run an ad campaign. My cord's long, my headphones in. We're on the grind, now it's time for some focusing. I'm working online, so I avoid the drama. My employees are all hot, cause they're in a sauna. Daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, huh? So I'll, I'll probably yeah. put the different version, but it's basically about working at a cafe and like, you know, running ads and stuff like that. It's actually kind of funny. <laughs> it sounds familiar. Is it based on another, like, is it a, like based on another song? Yeah, it's based on a song called Hustling by, I think, Rick Ross. Okay, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I think in the, so- in the song, it's actually like every day I'm hustling, but they change it to like daily cafe hustling. Hustling, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, I guess enough with kind of the goofing around. Um, so I guess, yeah, let's get into this week's episode. And so uh, this week's episode is kind of how to know when to take or ignore people's feedback or criticism. So I think kind of when we started out, people were telling you what to do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And so how do you actually filter out uh, what you should be taking and what you shouldn't. And so kind of this is kind of a framework, I guess, from our experience and kind of, you know, we're not really sure this is the right way to, but just from our experience, here's uh, kind of what it is. So I guess uh, first one, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, right? So me and Travis, whether it's, you know, Tim Ferriss or whoever you read, like there's all these blogs that tell you what to do. So uh, everyone kind of has an opinion. Should you listen to it? I think the first one uh, you should look out for is, do they have confirmation bias? So confirmation bias is kind of when someone looks for, well, it's a tendency to search and to interpret information in a way that confirms to your beliefs. So for example, our friends ask us, hey, how do you get started with online business? And if we have a tendency to say e-commerce is the best way, that's kind of a confirmation bias too, right? Because both of us have our online stores and that's what we know, but we're not like service guys. We're not coders, we're not web designers. Maybe, you know, there's more traction in that starting out. But I mean, it's kind of the thing you gotta watch out for too. Absolutely. Actually, someone just sent me an email asking me, you know, about how to select a niche for e-commerce. And one of my thoughts was, I wonder if e-commerce is the best thing for everyone. You know, if you are really struggling to find a niche, maybe there's other things. Maybe you could freelance or it really depends what your end goal is. If your end goal is just, if your end goal is just to be location independent, you don't need to have a store necessarily. You could freelance or do whatever. Yeah, I think a lot of this depends on your skill set too. Like if you're already a graphic designer, or a coder or something like that, like a copywriter, like something that has your skill set you can leverage really quickly. I think that's probably the way to go instead of just doing something brand new, so. Yeah, but uh, you're right. I mean, one of my points actually was, everybody's a hammer. Everybody thinks, okay, whatever I do, this is what everyone should do. A guy that I know that's a massage therapist came to me and he's like, you know, how should I do online marketing? And my first thought is, oh, you should create a book and do this and this. And you kind of catch yourself like, wait a minute, that's probably not what's best for you. Yeah, and even for me, like being in e-commerce, I do have some confirmation bias because when I started out, 
in college, I started selling textbooks on Amazon, right? So I guess that it was kind of set early on when I was younger to kind of go down this path. So、uh, certainly not the best way for everyone, I think.、Um, but I guess when you look at the market too, like say you want to start a blog on you know self development, well then you know I would say don't do that because there's way too many of those. Be careful because not all feedback and criticism is bad. I, th- I think people get very defensive,、uh, including myself, especially myself. Yeah, you hear feedback and criticism, your first thoughts kind of like you're stupid, you don't know what you're talking about. But that's not always the case, you know. Make sure you hear people out and listen to what they have to say. I will say about eighty percent of the people that give me feedback and criticism aren't doing it to be positive. They're doing it to boost their own ego or do something of that nature. The other side too is when you're getting good feedback, it's important to not. Try to counter it when you're saying it. Like when you're in like a mastermind with like eight people, they're like giving you feedback. It's it's really tempting to say, "Hey, but I'm doing this and I'm doing that." Well, this is that way because it's that way. But you should just like shut up and like listen. <laughs> Absolutely, I struggle with that so much because I put a lot of thought into every like little small thing I do. So when someone says, "Well, have you thought about doing it this way?" To me, it's just frustrating because, like, yes, I have, and it doesn't work. But sometimes they're right. Sometimes when I like step back and get away from my own personal ego, I'm like, oh. Actually, that does make sense. I don't. I don't know why I didn't think about that. Yeah, like you just have to compartmentalize your emotions when you're getting this feedback, too. Especially when it's like like rejection type of feedback, whether it's like, you know, you're talking to customers or like dating girls or whatever.、Mm-hmm. Right? So. You know, one thing actually I find personally hard is when I per- like I have a, a really good big idea and someone has a little small tweak on it. So I'll give you an instance. I've talked about before sending out emails to dance studios to interview them for my blog. And someone's like, "Oh, well, what you should say is actually spotlight these dance studios instead of interview them." And to me, it was a small tweak, and I'm like, "Oh no, but this is my idea. This is this whole big idea is mine." So that small little tweak made it sound like it was their idea, but truthfully, they're just improving upon my already existing idea. So, so you were feeling bad that they were taking your idea and changing it, or? Well, I, I felt like they were. They were trying to claim, "Oh, this is my own idea." Like they're saying, "Oh yeah, you sh- it should be spotlighting," and as opposed to just it being my own idea and saying, "Oh, okay, it's a slightly different angle." It made it feel to me like it was their idea. Like they were trying to take credit for it. It was already like ninety nine percent what I was doing, so I kind of felt like I'm like, "No, no, no, you don't get credit for this. I don't. This is my idea." I guess it's just the way it's presented is different. It's the same action you're doing. Whether it's interviewing, featuring, spotlighting, but just- the truth is, it doesn't matter whose idea it is. At the end of the day, it's it's my business, you know. So if I if it's better idea, I should use it. It shouldn't be this ego issue. Yeah, exactly. But one thing on the other side is that when you get bad feedback, I think starting out it's hard to ignore it, especially when it's from like friends or family. It's like maybe they're not your customers. It makes it even harder because you're like,、right, I gotta like mentally block this off because their opinion shouldn't matter versus someone who's actually paid you money. When I started, one of my Roommates, I guess he's a little bit younger. He isn't really kind of still figuring out stuff, but he's giving me all this feedback. I'm like, all right, like, okay, you're first, like, you're not paying me to do stuff, and like, you're just living with me, so I need to like block this out, talk to more people, and do all things like that too. So, like, it's just kind of hard to mentally separate it at first, but I think over time it gets a little bit easier, especially starting out. Like my first one, I was、oh, all this bad feedback. I was taking it so personally, and now it's like,、oh, all right, if you don't like it, hey, too bad. Yeah, no, it's true. I think something that's really important. I think one of the biggest things. That- When I was thinking about this, is you have to make sure that people have the same idea that you have. A lot of people will say, 
oh, your idea is, you know, X, Y, and Z. No, that's stupid. You should do this completely other thing. And it's like, well, that defeats the whole purpose of why I started this business. So our friend Dan Norris, I don't know if you know him, but he was on the show earlier. He has a service called WP Curve, where basically you pay 70 bucks a month or 60 bucks a month and you get like unlimited WordPress changes to your site. And he kind of has a SaaS model built in on a recurring business. And so he's having a book uh, called The Seven Day Startup. And he sent out an email the other day that kind of caught my eye. He was saying, you know, a lot of seasoned entrepreneurs or online influencers, even kind of like me, uh, make this mistake giving out advice that worked for us. But while they're well-intentioned, it's really not what first-time entrepreneurs need. And the way what he says is, you know, just launch in seven days. That way you avoid all the BS, like the validation seeking, you know, reading too much advice, looking, listening to podcasts, fear, permission thinking, experts, things like that. And then once you launch, then you can see what people actually do. And so he, I think this is a lot of gold because what he did was he had this startup called, um, what was it called? Informally. And it was like a dashboard where you had your PayPal, MailChimp, subscribers, everything like in a dashboard. And so he sold his old business to put all the money into funding this startup. And then I think he didn't really make money off it. And he was losing somewhere like 1500 a month. And he was two weeks from like, you know, going broke. And then he launched this WP Curve thing. And that really taught him that, hey, you know, within like three months, he was making like, I think, 10K recurring a month. And so he really figured out that, hey, you know, you need to just launch and ask people to pay. So I guess whatever we say, like if you have an idea, things like that, you know, just get started. Because I guess we can talk about this all day long, but in the end, you know, until you find your first 10 customers, it's kind of just all in your head and kind of experimental too. The earlier you do it, the better. I mean, I, I've talked about it before, but I spent three or four months before I really launched my site and everyone came at it with different angles. Like one person told me, no, this is stupid. You should just have one product and you should make the website look really flashy and cool. That defeats the entire purpose of what I was trying to do. And I, I wish I would have just launched it even quicker. Yeah, me too. So what, what, why did you take three to four months to launch? Let's just kind of go into both our stories too. I mean, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, so I, you don't want to launch it without it being perfect, which is the wrong attitude to have. And I did do a, one launch and paid like 150 bucks in AdWords and got zero sales. So then I kind of had to go back to the drawing board. But I felt like there was five different horses me horses dragging me in different ways because everyone I said, everyone I talked to said something different. I think one of the big problems is, and this was actually my notes, that there's two types of people that give you advice. There's people that you don't respect. And that, that's really the most common one. That's the kind of people that are like, oh, you know, four out of five businesses fail, blah, blah, blah. They, they, they always say the same kind of stuff. It's the random guy at the party who's like, oh, you're going to start a business? Yeah, good luck with that. But then there's also the people you respect and the people you respect, it's a lot harder to ignore them. They, they could be different types of people. There could be the type of people you respect because they're very successful at business. And when they tell you your idea is stupid, you should do this other thing. It's really hard not to listen because you have zero experience at this point, probably. So that's what I you know, kind of found myself in. And at a certain point, you kind of have to dig your heels in and say, no, I'm going to do this to completion. If it's wrong, I'll find it out myself. I don't... Yeah, it goes back to kind of the confirmation bias thing, right? Because I know some people have certain mentors or have had mentors that try to mold them in their same image because what worked for them, they try to tell them, hey, this is how I did it. This is how you should do it. But, you know, everyone's situation is the same and you can't assume they have the same relationships, same knowledge, same access, same resources uh, to everything. So that's, that's kind of hard when people ask me for advice. So I'm like, well, you know, I can tell you this, but I always say, hey, disclaimer, like this might not work because... The situation is different, right? Like if someone wants to start like a podcast now, I'm like, all right, here's how you do it. But, you know, the market's a little saturated. You want to make sure what you're podcasting about isn't, 
you know, some generic interview show about self-development or like internet marketing, like, cause that's way overdone. And there are like 10 different leaders in that space now. And whereas like five years ago, Hey, you probably would have been the first one and you would have crushed it. Right. I guess I think like the internet business mastery guys are kind of the first ones who did it. So, and they're still around too. So, you know, you got to know what you're up against uh, kind of when you're giving advice to. Yeah. And I think a lot of times those seasoned veterans, their advice isn't necessarily bad, but it's bad for you. Like I had a friend who told me, oh, you know, you should do a really high level uh, display ads campaign and split test everything. Well, that would cost thousands of dollars. And for an e-commerce business, it's probably not your low hanging fruit. That's that's great. You know, when we're a multimillion dollar company, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. And I have tested it out. And display advertising looks like it has promise, but I spent $150 on extremely targeted display ads and got zero sales. So this was somewhat recently. I decided to try it out because one of my friends was basically kind of like, you're an idiot for not doing display advertising because that's how he makes all his money. So he's like, no, this would work for you. But his business model is very different. He tries to get people basically to sign up for like dating websites and stuff. So it's a lot easier if someone's cruising around and they see an ad saying, hey, are you single and lonely? Click here, sign up for this offer. And he makes $3. Where for me, it's like, hey, do you need dance shorts? Let's click here and buy them. It's like, well, it's going to be kind of hard to get someone to pull out their credit card when they were just looking at a news story. Yeah, like the free sign up versus buying dance shorts is just completely different business model and sales funnel. I used to Absolutely. Know. But to him, you're an idiot for not doing this because he's made you know thousands and thousands of dollars. But to me, it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Display advertising isn't really the right fit. So I think basically going back around, my point is that not everyone's advice is bad, but it's just not might be the 80-20 of where you're at currently. You know, Make sure you're doing high leverage stuff. And this kind of brings me to my next point where I heard Warren Buffett, or I heard Mark Cuban talk about Warren Buffett. And he had this quote where he was saying, you know, first come the innovators, then the imitators, and then the idiots. And basically, when you're taking advice, are they the innovator who actually did this firsthand? Are they the imitator who's just regurgitating it? Or are they the idiot who is like late to the party? So kind of interesting kind of three types of people to that too. So. Yeah, and I think you're going to, by far, in my personal experience, you get the most idiots. You get so many people that have never done it. They don't want to do it because it's big and scary. And they're going to give you their advice, but it's, it's really not based on a lot other than either fear or just something they heard on a podcast one time. Yeah, and the thing is, like, with being an innovator, you're doing thing, something you've never done before or someone else hasn't done it before. So it's, a lot of it is, like, kind of you're jumping into this gray zone. But that's the reward that comes with the innovators. Once you figure it out, well, you're the guy that figured it out, right? And then you can tell the imitators and then they can tell the idiots. Yeah, no, and that's another thing that I think is really important is anyone that ever tells you advice of you can't or, like, feedback of you can't, because of X, Y, and Z, don't listen to that. If, if it's you personally, like they're trying to say that you can't do it, then it's a waste of time to listen because, I mean, look at everyone in history that's done anything big. If like, look at Henry Ford, for instance, if he said, yeah, you know, I want to start an automobile company so everyone can have a car. I'm sure a lot of people said, no, you can't do that. That's impossible. If you would have listened to them, obviously there would be no Henry Ford. And I think that it's really easy to get sucked into that. Oh, I can't do it because it's too big of a task. Well, if anyone in the history of the world has done it, you can do it. And if they haven't, you can be the first. Yeah. And this bring, reminds me of uh, the book, The Dip by Seth Godin. Have you read that? Before? I did, but remind me. Well, well, he explains how in today's world, uh, the winners usually take all, right? If you look at every industry, like the top two or three businesses own like 
80% of the revenue of certain industries, right? And he's saying uh, the goal is to be best in the world, right? But it's not best in the world among 7 billion people. It's best among a customer's immediate atmosphere, right? Like best as in who they know, who their relationships are, and in their immediate circle of connections. And world would be like within their budget, availability, uh, ability to hire, things like that. And so when you can be best in the world, uh, you can command a premium too, right? Like if you were to find a guy that does display ads for you that matches your budget, you know, he's timely, he's responsive, he gets your industry, like you'd, you'd be willing to pay a premium for him. And so he's saying this premium comes from scarcity because not everything that's worth it is available, right? Like the best kind of guys in investment banking are really rare because they have the best relationships, just like the best salespeople, uh, kind of the best e-commerce stores. There's only a few in certain markets that do really well. And so because of the scarcity, you have value. And so when you're kind of deciding what to do, the framework is that, all right, is the sacrifice of what I'm gonna go through worth the light at the end of the tunnel? And basically when you can decide, all right, if I'm gonna start a podcast, like don't just do 10 episodes and stop. You wanna you know, power through 100. But first, you, wanna, you, you also want to see if after I do 100 episodes, would it be worth it? Will I be best in my customers? Right? Because that then you're thinking objectively whether or not this is even worth it rather than just plowing through and hoping you get somewhere too. So Yeah, and a side tangent of that, I think of a common misconception is that, oh, there's someone in the market that's already doing it. That's not a problem. Just be better. Yahoo! came out first, Google did it better. MySpace came out first, Facebook did it better. It doesn't matter, oh, there's already you know X, Y, and Z. Well, just do it better and you're fine. I think a lot of the things that you take the most personally are things that you're kind of thinking in the back of your head. Uh, for me, one thing is the fact that I'm in dance clothing. You know, it's not something as a single 25 year old guy that I really like telling to the girls. It's not like, yeah, what do you do? Oh, I make dance clothing for a living. And a lot of people, the people that I didn't respect as much will kind of say like, oh yeah, you think that's the right thing to get into? That's, why would you get into that? And it's really easy just to get frustrated and be kind of like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, shut up, whatever. Well, what kind of reactions do you get when you tell people that you're selling dance clothes? So mixed. Like some people are like, that's the coolest thing ever. Uh, some people just are like, I don't understand. What, why are you doing this? And most people need a little bit of an explanation. But it's like, you just tell them, hey, I'm crushing it. Like, yeah, of course I'm not. Of course I love this, right? Like, that's what I end up telling them is like, look, it's the best business to be in. If I'm trying to sell guys clothing online, no one, I've never bought like a shirt online and then went and told my friends how cool this shirt is. But if you, you know, sell dance clothing, a da pair of dance shorts, the dance moms, that's all they do is talk about how cute their daughters look and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it also, it also comes from their worldview, right? Like they're used to seeing maybe people like Instagram, Facebook, like big businesses that are in tech, really successful, but then they're like, why is this guy doing dance work? Like it doesn't match with what they believe is like, quote, business. And I think it's easier for me to defend as I've become more successful. Successful. When I first started out, it was kind of like, oh, I haven't made a dollar yet. And then people poke you and say like, hey, that's really gay. Why are you doing that? And it's like, oh no, but I, I know it's a good idea. Where now it's like, yeah, you can say whatever you want. It's paying for my time here in Buenos Aires. Yeah, and if, you know, I've pays my mom, my grandma, like two sewers and- uh, This is kind of a side note, but I think people can see when you're not so confident about something and they jump on it. They're like wolves sometimes. You need to become a little bit more confident in your own ideas and it's not always easy. Yeah, I think especially when you're starting out and things aren't like crushing it. Like I'm not crushing like 30, 40K a month yet. So it's like when you meet someone, you're like, oh, they expect you to kind of be at that level. You're like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of like, like it's still something I'm trying to figure out too. Like, how do I 
tell people what I do, but still tell them like, hey, it's still kind of a small thing that's growing and all that stuff. So. I always wonder when will you at point that it's just like, no, like I'm 100% crushing it. Don't even bother me. And it, part of me does feel that way now because we do have like a production facility. We do, you know, we're doing pretty decently, but there's still that little bit of me that's a little uh, not so confident. So it probably comes from like our own insecurities maybe. Well, it's because A, like what we're doing is all something new we've never done before too. So I think that plays into a little bit and also B, like putting yourself out there and telling the world what you're doing. Just if we're not used to it, it's always a kind of, I don't know, plays on our fears. I, I can't really put my words around this. You know, I will say that I still haven't put as my Facebook, like my job on Facebook as co-owner of Bylar Dancewear. Like I want it to be at the point where it's just without question, I'm making tons of money. But right now it's still at that point where the website's not, it doesn't look quite as pretty as I'd like it to look. It doesn't, it's not making quite as much money as I'd like it to make. I mean, in the next year, I hope that I will want to put it on there, but I've put a post up before saying like, Hey, you know, check out this new website. And immediately one or two of my friends kind of was like, Oh, that's really stupid. And I guess I'm kind of the same way. It's like, well, it's not really making a ton of money yet. And it's like, if I put it up there, like, will I look stupid or, but then I thought about it just as you said, it's like, why should I care what they think if they're not paying me too? Right? Like you're just getting the word out. Well, and here's the thing is the quote unquote friend of mine on Facebook that said something negative. He's not really a friend. It's one of those people on Facebook you add on Facebook because it's you went to the same high school as them kind of thing. Yeah. But, but it's interesting when I tell people about this, privately I'll get some messages like, hey, you know, what you're doing is cool. Like, I wish I could do what you do, but uh, it's just kind of weird to put down your Facebook. When, yeah, know. you know, I mean, even in social situations, I find if I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone and I tell them, way more often than not, they're like, that's really cool. That's really interesting. And for whatever reason, it seems like if there's a group of people and I'm talking and I tell them that there's a little bit of like laughter, like a little bit of giggling. Part of it's probably me too. Probably part of it's, I don't want to have to be like, yeah, I sell dance clothing where individually I can talk like, oh yeah, look how cool it is. You know, I quit my job. I did this and it, whatever. But yeah, even like when I meet people like, Hey, what do you do? Like, oh, I have a podcast. It's like, oh, what's the podcast? It's like, oh God, like not this again. Like I haven't figured out the one, like one liner for this podcast. Cause most people probably don't listen to a podcast. I think you also earlier said something that was really true that a lot of people are used to hearing about like these internet success stories like overnight. And I think they're kind of like, oh, you have a semi-successful business? You mean you haven't sold to Google for a billion dollars? I don't understand kind of thing. Also the guys that publish income reports, do you ever read those? Like, I think, I think it's cool to do it, but it sets up a lot of wrong expectations for people in the sense that if you do what they do, they're so transparent that if I just copy that, it would work, right? But no, they've actually done this two months, three months ahead of you. So you don't have the same relationships, the same resources, the same access to people, you know, because a lot of these people who have, say, services business, they knew people who could have been their first 10 clients, right? Like maybe they were big influencers online who could then amplify that message. But if you're starting out, you may not have that relationship too. So I think like, yeah, it's cool that people are transparent, but like I just read income reports. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, you're doing well, awesome. But hey, you know, I gotta work on my own business now. Another side note, this is off the tangent but I think you got to watch yourself and make sure you're not being too negative. When someone tells you an idea that you're not shooting their idea down. And I find myself starting to do this all the time. And I always try to switch it up. And I always try to start the conversation after they tell me their idea with something like, you know, that's really cool. Have you thought about doing it this way? But making sure it's something that's in line with their same 
line of thought. They give you an idea that you know is bad, but you're not trying to shoot it down. You're trying to rephrase it for them or? I know it's quote unquote bad. I try to think about like it from their point of view and why it could be good. I mean, a lot of ideas that I thought are bad end up doing really, really good. So it's it's like, oh, okay. So if someone says, you know, hey, for instance, I want to start a dance clothing company. It's like, that's really cool. You know, you could go on Pinterest or you could do whatever, as opposed to the the general population that tends to always, from my experience at least, want to tell you why you can't do things. People that tell you why you can't do something, as far as like this online business type thing goes, it's a waste of, waste of time. You know, you've already thought it through. I had so many people tell me four out of five businesses fail. Why do you think you can do it better? My response is always, why do you think I can't? Four out of five businesses fail, but every business you've ever walked into was one of those exceptions to the rules. And if that guy can do it, I'm pretty sure I can do it. And I would say I'd rather do that than sit in the office for 30 years. And if you want to do that, hey, more power to you, right? And my other comment was always, hey, if four out of five businesses fail, then I start five. That's just math. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> but like five, not at the same time though. But like, I, 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 see, I see what you mean. No, no, no. So you, you start one, it fails. You start another one, it fails. But the, the, the basic point was that I think people thought that I, I personally thought, okay, I'm going to start a business it's going to succeed automatically. You know, I don't even need to try. And that wasn't the case. At, at this point, I was fed up with the corporate world and, you know, the normal life. And I was going to do anything to get out of it. This goes to like what Mark Cuban says, like you only need to be right once, right? And like a lot of people I've met that are making either, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50K a month. Like it wasn't their first business that got them there. It's been like the 10th idea or... The original idea was just pivoted so many times that it's completely something new. I mean, I can already tell right now if I were to start an e-commerce business online, it'd be so much easier now that I've gone through all these struggles. So if, if something were to happen, and I hope it doesn't, and I don't foresee it happening, something were to happen to my business currently, as hard as it is, I probably would have to get back up and start a new business. And it would be 10, if not like 100 times easier. You know, I've already, I've already learned every, I've already done everything more or less once. So doing it again, is not that hard. Yeah, but like shipping something now would be so much faster than you were like a year ago starting out. Getting the site up, getting the product descriptions, getting all the on-site SEO, email lists, all this analytics, all that stuff. And one of the problems is when you first start a business, I find that you do a lot of things wrong in the beginning, which means you have to redo things towards the end. Like for instance, the SEO. If you don't properly do your on-page SEO and you complete your website, you got to go back and redo it where now it's like, I know from the start, okay, this is how you do SEO. This is how you build your site up. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try it and fail. So you should try it and fail, or you should try it and need to rework it. Don't try to be perfect about, don't try to learn everything you can know about SEO before you build your site. It's impossible. You're not going to do it. Yeah. Like you, sh you shouldn't be building your own link network. Like that's, that's just not, that's, that's like a full-time thing to do. Yeah. And like have a team to do that too. I mean, even on-page stuff though, I, I think that a lot of people, including myself, want to know everything about how to make perfect on-page SEO. And you should learn the bulk of it. You should, you know, 80, 20 it before you build your site. Because if you don't properly use like your URLs and stuff, it's a little bit harder to rank. But that being said, it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. So this brings me to a bigger point where it's like, 
if you're surrounded by people who keep giving you this kind of negative advice, negative Nancy thing, like just you have to like find new friends, right? Like what we're doing here, like you're in the DC now, we hang out with a bunch of people there. Uh, you'll probably come here to Thailand, Vietnam, December, who knows, right? But it's like you, you gotta find new social circles. And I think a lot of it comes down to finding a new identity, especially when you leave your job, I think. Like you need to redefine who you are. You're not long, you're no longer defined by, hey, I work at Procter Gamble in the marketing division for Febreze or something like that. You're like, hey, I run this business called Bel Air Dancewear, and you know, I run it with my mom, grandma, and it's a family business. Right? It's like you have to like rethink this script in your head, and how do you like redefine it to make it that something you can be proud of and you can own too. And I think a lot of it comes with hanging out with people who are doing the same thing. A lot of people I hang out with, it's not even that they're against what I do or anything like that. It's just outside of their realm of possibilities. Like I was getting dinner the other night with some friends and I told one of them, someone I just met, like, oh, you know, I have a virtual assistant. And to them, it's just like, what? Like that's, it it wasn't that they thought it was bad or good. They were just kind of like, I don't understand where, you know, if I had the kind of friends that you were talking about that are in this realm, they'd be like, oh, that's really cool. Like, let's talk about it. How do you leverage them? This is how I leverage mine. And so I think, something I'm still working on is getting more friends and people within the same realm of e-commerce and within the same, same mindset, if you will. It's always funny. Like here in Vietnam, one of my roommates is an English teacher and we kind of hang out with that crowd once in a while because we're all expats. And it's funny whenever we start talking about business with some guys, like their eyes just like, they just, they're just like, what are you guys talking about? And for them, it's like, they come home, they're like, oh, you know, you won't believe what happened in class today. My students said this. And for me, I'm like, oh, I just, I just don't give a crap. And like, I roll my eyes too. And, and I think it's just because we're all on different wavelengths too, right? And the more people you can find on the same wavelength, that usually the better it is. Yeah, it's funny because I was out with some friends and I actually know some people now that work at the Google right here and they do the AdWords consulting. So I started talking with them about AdWords and they were really jazzed. I think they're like new to the company, so they're really interested in it. And to me, talking about business isn't bad. Like it used to be bad when I was working for a corporate job. Like I didn't enjoy talking about work-related stuff outside the office. But the difference is now that it's my business, it's kind of like, I don't mind at like a, a party. Some of the people there are like, oh, don't talk about business outside of business hours. I'm like, you know, you don't understand. This business is 24 seven I, and I enjoy it. It's not like I'm sitting here complaining about my boss <laughs> because I am my boss. Yeah, you're right. I never thought about that because I used to, when I was on my job, I would go drinks with some friends, complain about life, and then we would just move on. Like it was almost taboo or tacky to talk about business, right? But now it's like, yo, like, I can't get enough of it. Like, tell me more and I want to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big difference is now it's like sharing ideas and it's, it's interesting. It's like, Oh, look at this cool thing I'm doing. What kind of cool things are you doing? Oh, that's really awesome. That's something I should incorporate into my business. Well, let's just wrap things a little bit. So I guess for me, you know, if I were to wrap things a little bit, like I think what Dan Norris said, just launch and then, change what you're going to do from the customer behavior or what feedback you get like i mean mean like we travis and i try to give the best advice but what we tell may not work for you and you know we have the best intentions but really whatever works for you will be dependent on who's paying you what your customers do and how uh, they react to what uh, you put out in the world so yeah that's the probably wrapping up for me what about you yeah same thing i mean launch right away 
make sure that you don't let their ego or your own personal ego get in the way because a lot of people will want to put you down to make themselves feel better. It's sad, but it's true. Another thing is make sure your ego is not getting in the way because you might hear some really good feedback and you might think, oh, they don't know what they're talking about because I know everything about my business. That's not true either. So, uh, and then the last thing I think really is make sure you pass it forward. Make sure when other people come to you for advice that you're not trying to say, that's really dumb. Like if, if you see, it's one thing if someone's asking you, should I do, uh, should I do this? What do you think about it? Is it a good idea? As opposed to someone saying, I'm going to do this. You know, I've really invested in it. If your only response is that's dumb, you're not really helping them. Make sure to try to take a positive angle and move their passion forward, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of paying it forward, I think it's time for us to pay it forward to the next podcast you'll be listening to. <laughs> and uh, we'll close out this episode with uh, Daily Cafe Hustling. Did I tell you we made a music video out of this? And we'll have some product placements of the wallet. So um, I'll close it out with this song and we'll see you guys next week. See you guys next week. Yo, this goes out to all my digital nomads, startup savages, location independent entrepreneurs. And if you ain't know, then now you know. Namaste. Daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling. Who the frick you think you messing with? I'm a frickin' boss. Bootstrapped in Saigon, cause I'm trimming costs. Reading blogs and learning every life hack. Yeah, I got a Mac. We all got a Mac. I'm in the drop shipping. My stuff is organic. Working remotely with customers across the Atlantic. I know Google. You can ask Jeeves. Facebook ads and PPC. I attract leads. I ain't employed, boy. I run my own thing. And my boys know how to run an ad campaign. My cord's long, my headphones in, we're on the grind, now it's time for some focusing. I'm working online, so I avoid the drama, my employees are all hot, cause they're in a sauna. Daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling, daily cafe, daily cafe, daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling, daily cafe, daily cafe, daily cafe hustling. We steady writing content. Millions in the cards, ship it real hard, ship it, ship it real hard. I got a large, yeah, I got a large, ship it real hard, ship it, ship it real hard. Got my candle cracked, it's how I start the day. Tap, 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 turn the page. I'm sipping smoothies, got this laser vision. I hustle harder than Rocky Balboa chasing chickens. And out that cubicle, doing it from cafes. So brew me some bulletproof like I'm Asprey. This the fast lane, location independence. I need to renew my visa or get arrested. Thanks to Tim Ferriss, we're not conforming. I'm only working four hours every morning. Daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling, daily cafe hustling.